is calling calling a sinner come I think we should take the offering again. <laughs> that way you guys can do it again. We can do it again, but... <laughs> no, you got to take the offering too, Scott. We can't do it without the offering. <laughs> well, this morning I want to speak to you on a topic of choice. Who do you choose? Last week we discussed who we fear. And we need to decide who and what we fear. We talked about having fear of man versus fear of God and how significant it is that we recognize that we are to have the right kind of fear of God. And we're not to fear man. We're not to fear man in any way, shape, or form because man is not who God created us to fear. God created us to fear Him and Him alone. That means reverential fear. That means awe. That means respect. It means reverence. It means a submission it means all that that is, is all towards God. And never, ever is it to be given to man. When I give my fear to man, it reduces my ability to love man. In fact, it takes it away. Because when I fear man, I can't fear him the way I fear God because he's not created to be feared like God has created us to fear him. So today, we want to take that same theme a little bit about our choices. And we want to talk today about our choices our Christian walk really depends on the choices we make along the way. Do you know that? Do you realize that? That your Christian walk depends upon your choices that you make every day. Thank the Lord that He chose us first. Thank the Lord that He chose you and He chose me and He was faithful to His choice. Jesus was faithful to choose the cross. Do you know that? Do you know that he could have given up that choice? Do you know that he could have called thousands and thousands of angels and said, guys, I've decided not to go through with this? He had the choice not to go through with it. But thank the Lord that he took and he was faithful to that choice. So this morning we're going to talk 
about our choices and specifically who do we choose to serve. We have the choice in our, who, in our servitude. Are we choosing the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings as we have displayed in banners back here or are we choosing the gods of this age? And I specifically said gods, plural, because there are many gods that can come into our life that we can choose to serve. What are some of your gods? Think about it. In fact, no, I'm not going to have you shout them out. <laughs> but here's the thing. The gods that we serve in this world do not look that bad. The gods of this world that we choose can be wealth, can be health, can be good jobs, can be great entertainment, can be great hobbies. They don't look bad from the outside, do they? And, and quite honestly, just like money, money is not bad. What is bad about money? There you go. It's the love of money. It's the love of my job. It's the love of my hobbies. It's the love of those little things that become little gods and when I start loving those little gods over my choosing to love the big God, what happens to my love for the big God? It diminishes. That's why we need to be very diligent and in the questions that we ask ourselves. And are we willingly and honestly looking at our lives to ask the question, who do I serve? Who do I choose? We have the freedom to choose who we serve. We have the freedom to choose who we give our allegiance to. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I have the choice to give my allegiance to our, my country. I have the choice to give my allegiance to my God. Big G, singular, or little g with plural S's. So this morning, do you really know do you really know who you're serving? And do you know how your choices reflect that? It's a huge question. Huge questions that we need to ask ourselves. See, God has given mankind the huge power. The most powerful force in the universe is the power of choice. It's more powerful than the cross. Boy, I could get strike for lightning for that maybe. But in all honesty, for me personally, if I choose to reject the cross, the cross is no value to me. If you choose to reject the cross because of your choice, the cross has no effect for you. Now, macroly, the cross wins. Macroly, that's defeated Satan. But microly, it doesn't, has no bearing on, on me unless I choose. That power of choice is huge. How many choices do we make in our life? How many choices do we make in our day? There's some researchers that have thought about that. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever asked yourself, how many choices did I make today? How many choices am I going to make in a single day? Well, some researchers had that question, and they came up with something. This is what they came up with. Based on this question, there are impulsive and logical thinking where more complex decisions are made. According to multiple sources, the average amount of remotely conscious decisions an adult makes each day equals about 35,000. In contrast, young children only make about 3,000. 
<laughs> the older you get, the more choices you have to make. You make about 35,000 choices every day. Now, some may be a little bit more significant than others, clearly. I don't think I have to pray over what color socks I wear today. Or if, I've, if they match. I think God would have them match, but not necessarily. So if we make that many choices a day, that's pretty amazing, the fact that our mind can even think that way, that we can choose that many things. Now, these choices... Are, are numerous, too numerous to count, but I try to categorize them into three timely or sequential categories. So we make choices about living in the day. What, what are my choices about today? We already said it. How, what clothes am I going to wear today? What, what food am I going to eat for breakfast? And, and what am I going to eat for lunch? And, and are we going to work hard at our job today or are we going to take the day off? Are we going to blow off the day? Are we going to exercise today? Are we gonna, what kind of entertainment choices am I making in my life today? There's lots of choices we make that may or may not be too, too significant. Spiritually, am I going to read God's Word today? Am I going to pray today? That's a choice. You make it. Every day, you make it. Then there's choices about living for tomorrow. And those kind of choices would be like, do I have a financial budget? Do I, am I making plans for my future financially? Am I putting away for retirement? Am I being smart with that? Uh, am I, what about my family planning? You know, if you're a young couple, uh, are you going to have children? How many children do you want to have? If you are in a career, what's your career direction? What's your strategy? What's your career goals? Are you climbing the ladder corporately? Are you, where are you at there? Are, are you not too worried about your career? Then relationships. Man, think about the choices that we have to make about our relationships, our future relationships. What am I doing today that impacts my future relationship tomorrow? That, that's huge. What am I doing today to impact my relationship for tomorrow with my wife or my children or you and members of the church? Or my employer? What am I doing today that's going to impact my future when it comes to my relationships? What about your spiritual life? What am I doing today that's going to impact my future spiritual life? Man, that's huge. You think about eternity every day? Do you think about it? At some point in time, does eternity run through your mind? It should. It should be. Because your choices you're making right now are going to affect your eternity. So sometime, sometime throughout the day, if not quite often, your mind should be thinking about, what am I doing today that's going to impact my future eternally, spiritually? And then the other category that I had, the third category I, I had is living in the past. What are our choices about our past? About dealing with the consequences of past choices? Hmm, I can have some pain here. What about forgiving or holding grudges for those past hurts? What am I doing today about those people that I need to forgive? Am I forgiving them? Or am I holding a grudge? And how does that impact my future? If I'm not dealing properly with my past offenses, then those offenses, the Bible says, are becoming a root of bitterness. And bitterness comes in and makes a destructive plant that you don't want to eat because it will only bring damnation to your soul. 
What am I doing about the past hurts? Am I making restitution or payments where I can? Am I truly repenting? Repenting means turning away from my past choices, not just forgiving and then forgetting. No, am, I'm turning away. I'm going another direction. I'm choosing not to go that same path. I'm choosing not to repeat that same mistake. I'm repenting. And sometimes that means restitutions. Sometimes that means going to a person and say, I've offended you. I'm going to do what I can to make that better. I don't know what that is in that particular case, but there are some things you can do when, you come, when it comes to repenting that going back to an, the person or persons and say, I'm sorry, I offended you. Now how can I make it up to you? Huge, powerful. We can also celebrate our past. And we can, we can relive our past, maybe to a fault. I was a great athlete. Oh, man, I was good. I made lots of touchdowns. I could live in that past glory to the point where you don't want to talk to me because all I want to talk about is how good I used to be. <laughs> That's ugly. We don't want to do that. But yet we want to celebrate our victories, and we also want to learn from our mistakes. So there's nothing wrong with reflecting on the past as long as we don't dwell on that, either, either too much on the good or too much on the bad. We want to learn from it, but we certainly don't want that to become uh, the direction for our future. Our past does not have to dictate your future. Do you know that? Can you appreciate that? No matter how bad you were in the past, that has no bearing on where you're going if you choose to make it that way. What about your past spiritual choices? Where have they left you this morning? Your past spiritual choices, where have they left you? Are you growing and grateful? Or are you declining a defeat? Where are you this morning based upon your past spiritual choices? See, I'm just scratching the surface here. I can't go much deeper here. We don't have time for that. But I think the thing that we can think about and realize is that the thing about choices is that we're all free to make them. God has given us the right Every human being here has the right and the ability to choose. Nobody can take that right away from you. You have and will always have the right to choose. Now, our text for the day is a very common passage of Scripture, but you have to understand the context of it. The text of the day is Joshua 24, 15. That's gone. 24.15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, to really understand this, go back and read the previous context of this passage. Go back and read Joshua, that chapter. Basically what Joshua is saying here is that, guys, we have a choice to make. Israel, we have a choice to make. We've seen God do mighty miracles over the generations of our families and of our country, of our nation, so there's no doubt about who God is. 
God has proven himself greatly amongst us. He's delivered us from the Egyptians and through the Red Sea and given us manna and given us quail and given us water and our clothes haven't worn out and our shoes haven't worn out and, and he's led us by day and by night and he's, he's been faithful to us all of this life and all these generations past. Remember, uh, Moses was the leader. Joshua took over after Moses died. After they went into the promised land, then Joshua became the leader and led them across the Jordan into the, into the promised land. That was two river crossings. Moses was there in the first one through the Red Sea from Egypt, and then Joshua led them across the Red Sea or the, or the Jordan River into the land of Jordan or to the Promised Land. And, but there was a different crossings, but there were two of them and two very miraculous crossings. And both of them, nobody got wet. Think of that. The first, Moses just extended his staff. The second, the priests had to, well, they got wet. Their ankles got wet. As they stepped in the water, the waters parted. They had to take faith. They had to walk into the water. And when the water reached to their ankles, the water parted and the rest of Israel followed through. So what a miraculous sign. So now we come here and Joshua is now getting ready to, to die. He's getting in his closing, in his, in his end of his life. And he comes to them and he says, listen guys, we have a choice to make. Some of us here are following the gods of the Amorites. Some of us here have intermingled and married with these people that we were not supposed to intermingle and marry with. In fact, God told us to slay everyone in this country because he didn't want any intermingling. He wanted it to be pure. He wanted it to be all God, and we didn't listen to them. So as a result of our past spiritual failures, we have some choices to make because now we have some issues here that we brought on ourselves because we didn't obey God. So now what are you going to do about it, people? What are you going to do about it? I can sense his frustration. I can sense his, the pain in his voice when I read that chapter about all the things that God has done, and now we have to make a choice. What are we going to serve? Are you going to continue to serve those gods, or are you going to serve the living God? And Joshua says, you know what, as every leader does, he says, I'm going to lead whether anyone follows me or not. I'm doing it. So he says, as for me and my household, I'm serving the Lord. So what are you going to do? You are responsible for your choices. Joshua could not be responsible for their choices any longer. He had been leading them to the best that he could under the power of God, but now he's saying, okay, my days are almost done. I'm almost checking out. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Israel? What are you going to do, Centerpoint Assembly? What are you going to do, individual? What God are you going to serve? Who are you choosing today? It's all about choices. I want to show a brief video that talks about choices. It is not death most people are afraid of. It is getting to the end of life only to realize that you never truly lived. There was a study done, a hospital study, on 100 elderly people facing death close to their last breath, they were asked to reflect about their life's biggest regret. Nearly all of them said they regretted not the things they did, but the things they didn't do, the risks they never took, the dreams they didn't pursue. I ask you, will your last words be, if only I hit, hey, you, wake up, 
Why do you exist? Life is not meant to simply work, wait for the weekend, and pay rent. No, no, I don't know much, but I know this. Every person on this earth has a gift. And I apologize to the black community, but I can no longer pretend. Martin Luther King, that man never had a dream. That dream had him. See, people don't choose dreams. Dreams choose them. So the question I'm getting to is do you have the courage to grab the dream that picked you, that befits you and grips you? Or will you let it get away and slip through? You know, I learned a fact about airplanes the other day. Now, this was this was so surprising. See, I was talking to a pilot and he told me that many of his passengers think planes are dangerous to fly in. But he said, actually, it is a lot more dangerous for a plane to stay on the ground. <laughs> I said, what? Like, how does that sound? Well, he said, he said, because on the ground, the plane starts to rust, malfunction and wear much faster than it ever would if it was in the air. As I walked away, I thought, yeah, makes total sense because planes were built to live in the skies and every person was built to live out the dream they have inside. So it is perhaps the saddest loss to live a life on the ground without ever taking off. See, most of us are afraid of the thief that comes in the night to steal all of our things. But there is a thief in your mind who is after your dreams. His name is Doubt. If you see him, call the cops and keep him away from the kids because he is wanted for murder, for he has killed more dreams than failure ever did. He wears many disguises and like a virus will leave you blinded, divided and turn you into a kinda. See, kinda is lethal. You know what kinda is. It's a lot of kinda people. You kinda want a career change. You kinda want to get straight A's. You kinda want to get in shape. Simple math, no numbers to crunch. If you kind of want something, then you will kind of get the results you want. What is your dream? What ignites that spark? You can't kind of want that. You got to want it with every part of your whole heart. Will you struggle? Yeah, yeah, you will struggle. No way around it. You will fall many times, but who's counting? Just remember, there's no such thing as a smooth mountain. If you want to make it to the top, then there are sharp ridges that must be stepped over. There will be times you get stressed and things you get depressed over. But let me tell you something. Steven Spielberg was rejected from film school three times. Three times, but he kept going. The television execs fired Oprah, said she wasn't fit for TV, but she kept going. Critics told Beyonce that she couldn't sing. She went through depression, but she kept going. Struggle and criticisms are prerequisites for greatness. That is the law of this universe and no one escapes it. Because pain is life, but you can choose what type, either the pain on the road to success or the pain of being haunted with regret. You want my advice? Don't think twice. We have been given a gift that we call life, so don't blow it. You are not defined by your past. Instead, you are born anew in each moment, so own it now. Sometimes you got to leap and grow your wings on the way down. You better get the shot off before the clock runs out Cause ain't no overtime in life, no do-over And I know I sound like I'm preaching or speaking with force But if you don't use your gift, then you sell not only yourself But the whole world, short
So what invention do you have buried in your mind? What idea, what cure, what skill do you have inside to bring out to this universe? Uni meaning one, verse meaning song. You have a part to play in this song. So grab that microphone and be brave. Sing your heart out on life stage. You cannot go back and make a brand new beginning. But you can start now and make a brand new ending. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Have you ever thought? Have you ever thought about the significance and the power you have in your choices, and the right that we have to make them? Let me ask you a few questions. Is having the right to choose the same as freedom? Can a person choose not to be free in a free society? Can a person choose to be free in a society that's not free? What is true freedom all about? Think about that and ask yourself, are you truly free this morning or have your choices kept you in bondage to a foreign power? Where are you today? Where are you in your freedom of choices? Are, you, are your choices freeing you or are they keeping you bound up? Is choosing not to make a choice a choice? Can a person that stays neutral on an issue, is that not a choice? Can the rights that we have to choose be squandered and wasted? Can you be wasting your life because you're afraid to make a choice? And in so doing, you've made a choice. Do we really realize how powerful the right to choose is? Do we now get a better idea to we think when we said that choice is the most powerful power in the universe? Because it is the power for us to use the God-given gift that God has given us or to waste it. How many of us in our churches are wasting our gift because we're not doing anything with the gift God has having gave us to use in our own church? Think about it. Think about it. How many things do you not do in your church that are yours to do, but you've chosen not to do them? Are you selling yourself short? Do you see how that might impact your future? Many, many choices. Now, with all the freedoms that we have, there are some very important things that we can't choose. We can't choose our birth and the family in which we were born. You had no choice about that. I did not choose my mother, nor did my mother choose me. The only choice that I have about my family relationship is who I marry. And then after that, my choices are gone again because I can't choose my children. I had, I had nothing to say over Summer, Tyler, Aubrey, or Jenna. Nothing. God gave them to us as a gift. Another choice that I can't control or have no choice over, and that is the fact that one day I'm going to die. I have no power over that. I have no choice over that. One day I'm going to die, and so are you, unless the rapture comes first, which I'm praying that it does because, man, it is close by. That's a whole other sermon. But here's another choice that we have, that we do not have, is that after our death we will meet God and give an account for all the choices we made. <laughs> you have no choice in that either, folks. 
When you die, you're going to meet God, and he's going to then say, what did you choose? And a non-choice is not an answer. We had no choice in our birth process. We had no choice in who our parents were. Jeremiah, but God knew. God knew Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now he's talking specifically to Joshua here, or Jeremy, I'm sorry, Jeremy. But in Jeremy's case, God knew him and he set him apart as a prophet to the nations of his time. But in your case, God also knows you. And he has a plan for your life as well. And he's setting you apart for something for you to do in your life that no one else can do. No one else could be that prophet, Jeremiah. Because God set it for Jeremiah to do nobody else. You have something to do in your life, in your church, in your home, in your family that nobody else can do. Because God set you apart for it specifically. That's the power that God had and you have no choice in that. The only choice you have is am I going to fulfill it? Am I going to carry it out? Am I going to live for it? No one will be accountable to Jeremiah's life besides Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah was set apart to be a prophet to the nations, and I'm not, I'm not going to be judged, I'm not going to be held accountable the same way that Jeremiah was or is. I'm going to be held accountable to what God calls me to do. You're going to be accountable to what God calls you to do. You're not going to be accountable for my actions, and I'm not going to be accountable to yours. You're accountable for your own choices. Very important that we rest, that we know that, that we understand that God holds you accountable only for what God has called you to do. Therefore, my advice is do it. Don't stuff it off. Don't make excuses. Don't say, well, God, somebody else will do it. Because he's going to look to you and he'll say, I asked you to do that. That was your life. I asked you to step up and do that. Where were you? What were your choices? Psalm 146 tells us that the second thing that we're not going to have a choice is, and that is that we are going to die. Some point in time, we are going to die. Now, Psalm 146.4 says, For every man must die. His breathing stops. Life ends. And in a moment, all he planned for himself is ended. Now, we might not maybe appreciate that because we have a lot of life support systems and a lot of advances in technology and life support systems. But, you know, I don't care what, how good our technology is and you may be on life support but when God says it's time it's time <laughs> I'm sorry he's the boss he has, he has control over that I do not then after death we meet God and he judges Hebrews 9:27 just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Matthew 12, 36, and 37. Jesus speaking, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Choices, choices, choices. 
bunch of them here. The scriptures are full of warnings that God will hold each person accountable to their choices, your thoughts, and your actions. So let me ask you again. Since we have the right to choose, can we choose to be not accountable for our actions? Can you say, God, hold it. I didn't ask to be born. This wasn't my idea. I really didn't want to come into this life. Therefore, God, you're not going to hold me accountable because it wasn't my idea. It doesn't work that way, folks. You cannot argue your way out here with God. There are some days that I wish I wasn't born. Can I be honest with you? There are some days I wish I wasn't here because, you know, and I've thought about that. Say, God, I, this wasn't my idea. Why do I have to be accountable for something that wasn't my idea? I didn't create this mess I'm in. Well, maybe I did. But I didn't think I did. But it wasn't my idea to be born. Therefore, God, you have no right to judge me. That's the devil talking right there because that's the kind of deception the devil will bring into our lives. Now that we're free to make choices and we know that our judgment is coming, let's look further at the choices we're free to make. All right? We are free to choose who we serve. We will either choose to serve God or Satan. There is no other choice. Can I tell you that? There are no other choice. You're going to serve one or the other. You're going to choose God or you're going to choose Satan. Well, you might say, well, wait, no, I'm going to choose myself. I'm going to choose to serve myself. Well, if you've done that, you've just chosen Satan. Because, because of the fall that happened on mankind back in the 6,000 years ago, because that, when that happened, mankind gave themselves to Satan. They were created to serve God, but they willingly gave the keys of their life over to Satan because of the choice they made to sin against God. And since we're now inflicted by that same power of sin... I don't have a third choice. I'm not an option. If I choose me, I'm indeed serving Satan. Genesis chapter 126, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. He never gave us another option. He never said, Well, you can be born in something, some other likeness. No, we're made, in the, we're made in God's likeness. And it wasn't until... Satan came in and stole it, or really, man gave him away. Man gave our ownership. Adam and Eve gave ownership of us over to Satan at that day. So therefore, now we have to choose. We have to choose, are we going to remain in that ownership? Now, fast forward 6,000 years to, to today, to today, or 7,000 years shortly, and go back 2,000 years from now, go back to the cross. The cross was when Jesus bought back what we gave away. We gave it away. Jesus bought it back. He bought back our freedom to choose through his sacrifice, through his perfect life, death, sacrifice, resurrection. He paid the price for our sin. So now, when I choose him, guess what? I change ownership. I'm no longer the, under the ownership of the devil anymore or Satan or even myself. I'm now longer, I, I've changed ownership. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells me this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So when you converted yourself, when you asked Jesus to come into your life, the Holy Spirit came into your life and a new life came in. 
For you are not your own, verse 20. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We have to realize the great price that was paid for our redemption. A great price was paid so that we can have the power to choose to be redeemed. That we really are no longer our own anymore and we're really no longer Satan's. No, we are the own ownership or Christ owns us today because the Holy Spirit lives in us because Jesus bought us back. So the choice now is for us is that do I want to remain in the ownership of Christ? Do I want to stay there? The choice is clearly laid out for this morning. I can either choose to be a slave of sin or a slave of Christ. John 8, 34, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Or we have the choice to be a slave to Christ. Romans 6, 16-18, Do Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you, had, you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. We've changed ownership. I don't have to be a slave anymore to sin. So now I've chosen a new owner. Now, do we choose blessings or choose curses? You know, you can choose a blessing or you can choose a curse. Very important that we recognize that, that after we become a slave to righteousness, Christ is now our master. Now what? What happens day two after we've changed ownership? Our choices aren't over. Recognize that. Just, become you, just because you've become saved and Jesus lives in your heart, your right to choose has not stopped. We have not become a robot, and we aren't automatically acting like Christ just because we're saved. We don't have an automatic switch that says, okay, once I'm saved, my choices no longer matter. No, my choices matter very much. And your choices matter very much after you've been saved. I do not lose accountability of my actions after I've become saved. We are given the power to choose a blessing or a curse. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Go back to the Old Testament. And it's very appropriate for us to use Old Testament scriptures in a New Testament church. You know why? Because God doesn't change. He never changes. His principles that he put in place that many years ago are still in place today. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Did you see that little word, if? Do you know how big if is? Do you know how big that little two-letter word is? If I obey the Lord. If I obey the Lord. If I obey the Lord, I have blessings. Now, you can read for the next verses 3 through 12 all of the blessings that God was given to the Israelites. And I would challenge you to go home today and read that. But I want to go pick up in verse 13 and 14 
and see another aspect. It says, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not, turn, do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or the left. Follow other gods and serving them. So again, he's emphasizing the word if. However, verse 15, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Now read the rest of the chapter to find out what these curses are. But you have to recognize that just because you're saved, just because you're saved doesn't mean that your days of accountability are over. You have many things to choose. You choose blessings, you choose curses. And I'm not here to declare the blessings and curses in detail for you personally, other than to warn us that our choices to either obey God and His commands in Scripture will give us eternal blessings and eternal joy, or we can choose otherwise. We can choose to reject God's commands, and we can suffer the consequences that come as a result of rejecting God. I'm just, being a, I'm just being a proclaimer of the, gospel, of, the, of the Word of God right now. So I'm here to us to challenge us this morning to, for us to look at our choices in the light of eternity and see how our choices, how our choices are preparing us for eternal consequences. Like Joshua raised the question to Israel, I'm raising a question to Center Point Assembly. Who are you going to choose today? Who are you going to choose and, and maybe you're saying, Mike, you just don't understand. I'm really busy right now. Uh, my life is complicated. I'm really busy. I'm not ready to make that choice. I'm not ready to make that right now. Well, let me ask you the question. When is the right time to start saving for your retirement? Yeah. If you want something at the end, you know a very powerful force, another very powerful force is compound interest. If you want to have a lump sum at the end of your life, you don't start saving two years before the end of your life. You start saving at the very beginning of your working life, put it in a compound interest checking account or in a, a, a bank account and let compound interest work for you, but you've got to start saving now if you want the big nugget then. Well, guys, it's the same thing about eternity. When is, this, when is the best time to start thinking about eternity? Right now. Because in all honesty, can I suggest that eternity begins today? You are already an eternal being. You, you, you don't become eternal when you die. No, your spirit, man, is already eternal. It already is living and it will never die. The flesh will die. This thing that I'm living in right now, this tent of flesh, will die. But the spirit, man, now is never going to die. So you're already an eternal being. So now is the time to start. Don't put it off. Don't put those choices off. Now is the time. Now is the time. Let me, let me illustrate again with this thing called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in good doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This declares that, first of all, God cannot be fooled. 
<laughs> You're never going to put one over on God. Never, ever will you fool God because God sees all, knows all, understands all, and nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is hidden from him. God sees my choices. In fact, God gives me the choices to see that I can make. God knows, what my, God knows the implications of me making a good choice or a poor, a poor choice. He knows that. So if I'm going to, if I want to reap, let me make it simple. If I want to have a corn in the fall, can I plant carrots to get corn? No, we can't. We know that, right? If I'm going to get, if I want corn, I have to plant corn. Now, here's maybe the thing we don't consider. What do I do to prepare the soil that I put the seed in? For those that are around farmers, and we pretty much all are around farmers up here, what do we see them doing with last year's crop after the, they harvested the crop? What do they do before they plant the next year's seed? They till the soil. They turn over the soil. They turn over the, the roots, whatever's left in that soil. They turn it over and they soften it up. They, they, they make it, they make it um, ready to receive the seed. And then something else that they do, and if you live close enough to them on a nice spring day or winter day, you might smell it. Yeah, they spread manure on it. They fertilize it. They prepare it, getting it ready to receive the seed because they want a good produce at the end. They want a good product at the end. Well, guys, listen, when it comes to putting the seed of God's Word in our life, go back and read the parable of the sower. And that's given to us in three different places in the Gospels. I think Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all have them. Um, someplace. Mark 13, uh, Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. Go back and read that. But we have a responsibility, Christian person, to prepare your heart if you're going to receive the seed of God's Word. You can't expect the seed of God's Word to fall on a heart that hasn't been living for Christ and expect it to do anything. If you're living in the world, if you've got a hard heart, and if you're not keeping your life pliable before the Lord, and then you come in on Sunday morning and get a little Word of God, do you think it's going to plant very deep? Probably not. But if you've been praying and reading God's Word and, and disciplined throughout the week and your choices throughout the week to soften your heart and keep it pliable and to keep it fertile, and you get a little word from God from a person or a pastor or the worship service or something, and all of a sudden that seed gets in that soft soil and starts to germinate, you know what? You get a good produce of fruit, of spiritual fruit that will begin to grow in your life. And that gives you the foundation for a good crop. But we must prepare our heart. We must realize the choices that we make throughout the week prepare our heart for Sunday mornings. You can't live like you want to live all week long and then come in on Sunday mornings and think you're going to get a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to work that way. Why? Because we have consequences to our choices. If I choose all week long not to read God's Word, if I choose all week long not to pray, then I can't come into a vertical worship on Saturday night and get filled up. I can't come in on a Sunday morning and expect God to over, overrule all of my poor choices all week long and start giving me a good produce of, of, of spiritual harvest because it's just going to be on rocky soil. It's going to be on shallow soil. And it might spring up for a bit, but as soon as I have adversity come in, guess what? It's going to be eaten up. It's going to dry up. The birds are going to eat the seeds, whatever. Go read the parable of the sower. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. I see you, Calvin. We have a responsibility that we need to prepare our soil. It's potluck Sunday. So I'm getting through. I'm, I'm going through this thing. But we have a responsibility to prepare our soil. 
Very important that we do this. Very important that we don't ignore the commands of God's word and then expect to get a great harvest. Wow. So let me ask you a question again. Who do you choose? Are you choosing to follow Christ and his example? Or are you choosing your own path, which is ultimately Satan's path? There's no third option. It's one or the other, Jesus or devil. Am I following a life and am I living a life that I'm willing to and looking forward to receiving the consequences of? That's a big one. That's a big one. From what I lived this week, how I lived this week, if God were to take me home right now, what do you think he would say to me? What do you think he would say to you? Are you comfortable with that? We need to look at our actions every day and say, if this was my last day, what's God going to say to me? We can't take, you don't know how much time you have to think, well, I'll get to that later. Another homework assignment. Go home and read the whole chapter of Ezekiel 18. Write it down, or if you have the scriptures that I've given out, if you have the, this, it's right there. But go read Ezekiel chapter 18 and see what that says to us about the seriousness of the responsibility that we have. The prophet Ezekiel was dealing with the question of generational sin and how the sins of the fathers would impact the sins of the sons and the daughters. And Ezekiel made it very clear in this passage that you are not bound by the sins of the father. You are free. Every generation is free to make your own choices. It's important that we know that, guys, because this gives us the freedom and the power of our choice. Because it's not, it's a great, it's a great promise and a great hope for those that come out of a bad environment. For those that came from a broken home or didn't have godly parents, Ezekiel 18 is a great promise to you. At the same time, it's a great warning for those of us that have grown up in the church. Because my mom's spirituality, I'm not credited for that. I'm not credited about how good a Christian my mom and dad were. That has no impact on me. I'm not going to be judged because of their spirituality, as good as it is. I'm going to be accountable for what I'm doing. Read Ezekiel chapter 18 and see the, the, see the power of your choice. Jackie, if you would come, we will conclude. I pray that this message for us to take responsibility for our own choices and then will help us to be ready to accept our own consequences. You know, the old uh, Philip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Might have been funny, but it's not true. Might have been funny when he would say it, but it's not true. The devil makes you do nothing. You choose to do what you do. You choose to stand against him or you choose to go on his side. You choose to accept it, you choose not to. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, For no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, because you will be tempted, 
he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Thank the Lord. It's never too bad that we can't get a way out. He always gives us a way out if we'll just choose it. But we have to choose it. We can't get in the mully grubs and get in the pity party of always me and think there's no way out of it because God always gives me a way out. It's never that bad. John, 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome the world because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We win, guys. We win if we choose to win. You, if you lose, if you choose to lose. <laughs> I, I'm, it's just that simple. The choice is yours. And it's also very important to know that we're not in this battle alone. The Holy Spirit is right here with us. He's right here with us. So this morning, if you feel beaten up, if you feel that you've been, been left alone, you have not been left alone. You may be beaten up, but you're not left alone. The Holy Spirit is here. He's here to help you out, and He's here to be your defender, as we sang earlier. Here's the question of the hour. Am I ready to accept my consequences, or do I need to change? If there's anything you need to change, I, I implore you to do it today. I, I strongly encourage you to ask yourselves the questions this morning. Am I doing the things I need to be doing? And am I willing to accept the consequences thereof? Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit now is activated in our hearts and our lives. Lord, I pray that you would send the convictor of sin, the convictor of laziness, the convictor, God, of, 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 pro, of procrastination, the, pro, the convictor of things in my life that I've overlooked, thinking that I'll have other times to take care of it. And right now, Lord, I just would ask us all to examine our life. And Holy Spirit, would you just bring things fresh to us right now? This morning, if there, while your eyes are closed, if there's anything in your life that you've been battling, Understand you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is here to help you make the choices. But he is asking you to make the choice. the altar here this morning. I know we have things next door, and that's good. And we can be dismissed and go there. But if you have anything that you want to be prayed for this morning, if you need help in any area, I'm going to stay here for a bit. And we're just going to be here in the presence of the Lord for a bit. And we just want to give you an opportunity to make it good. Make the right choice. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to lead us, free us to make the right choices, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing the song Jackie's playing, and you're free, to, you're dismissed to go next door. Well, food's been blessed. Father, bless the food in Jesus' name. Food's been blessed. But I want to open up the altars this morning. If you want to pray, we're here, amen.